for who you are, always for the opportunity to bring your word to your people. I pray for your anointing to fall upon me to do that, Lord, for your glory. I pray that as we talk about your Holy Spirit and the gifts you've graciously given us, Lord, that we'll be open to receive what you have for us, Lord, and we open to uh, broaden our understanding of the spiritual gifts as recorded in your word. Uh, we thank you, Lord, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many of you are football fans? Whoa. I'll put it this way. How many could care less? Uh, okay. Well, that's okay, too. Uh, for those of you that are uh, football fans, we got two big key games going on today. Whatever the winner, they, then they go to the Super Bowl. It's amazing people that could care less about football, but then when you say, you're going to have a Super Bowl party, just about 95% of people raise their hands, you know, and they have a Super Bowl party. But it's interesting, I, that is, uh, as probably some of you know or don't know, that is my favorite sport. I love to watch football. I don't really watch any other sports. If I really want to on a Sunday afternoon after church, if I want to take a nap, I turn on the golf station or whatever. I, I watch a golf tournament. Uh, but, but that's it. I'm pretty much football. I don't watch the others as much as I used to, whatever. But it fascinates me about football, as well as other sports as well. But we're, since we're talking about football, now, even if you're not a fan of football, you know that what, the, what the quarterback is supposed to do, right? The quarterback is he handles the ball in every snap. So he makes that offense go. And then you have the big guys in front of them. That's, you know, they're the linemen. They're the blockers or whatever. And then you have behind the quarterback, who do you have? The running back. And what does he do? The quarterback hands the ball off. If it's a play for the running back, and he takes the ball and he's trying to run uh, for some yardage. Then you have the wide receivers. We know if they are, or the receiver, whatever you want to call them. What do they call them these days? There's so many different names. We have to call them wide receivers. So I just use that. I'm not even mentioning the defensive side of the ball. My point is that all these positions require different, a different set of skills. You know, they really do in order for the team to function and play as a unit, then all of these different skills that, that are required by these individuals, then the key is to bring them all together in unity. So they play as one. And that is a difficult thing to do. How many enjoy, I'll try this one. How many enjoy going to the, uh, not the opera, uh, listen to a symphony orchestra? There we go. Hey, there's some good music. You know, if you stop and think about that, there are a variety of instruments up there on that stage that require individual skills to play those instruments in order for that orchestra to perform with unity and harmony. So that is so, so important. Now we get to the church, and oftentimes the local church, they kind of sputter because they're not using the gifts that God has given them in ministry. And when you look at the, uh, the Corinthian 
First uh, Corinthians, you'll see in, in verse in chapter twelve and fourteen, Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. Paul talks about the importance of using our gifts for his glory. God had the plan all along with these gifts, how we're to use them. Of course, we know as readers of the Bible that Paul was dealing with a church, the Corinthian church, they were abusing the gifts in many different ways. And so Paul uh, was trying to help them understand the importance of using their gifts not for their individual glory, but for the glory, for the edification of the congregation. Now, I'll probably say this many times this morning, that the gifts are given to us for the edification of, to build up the body of Christ. And, of course, for us as well, you know, for our own personal servanthood. But for me, that's always been a measure when I'm discerning how gifts are being used, how are they used, and who are they edifying? If I'm just using a gift and I'm edifying myself in the mirror, what would, what would Paul say about that? Are you with me? All right. Okay. I'm kind of softening you up. So, so we don't want any booze this morning, please. I'm very fragile. Okay, the first one is the gift problem, which I kind of touched on from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 3. Now, Paul said, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, that's my translate, my pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except the Holy Spirit. Paul is writing to a church again that had an abundance of gifts, but they were misusing them. Instead of unifying the church, they were basically splitting the church in so many different ways. You can just... You can have a sermon series just on, on 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 alone that could run you for weeks and weeks and weeks. By that, basically, what was going on. And I, I believe in, in, in certain circles that is happening today in the modern church that gifts are being misused by people. And uh, now it gets a little quiet, doesn't it? You're saying, is it me? No, it's not. It's not us. We're good. We're, we're the good people. Well, they're all good, but I better stop right there. But anyway, verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Again, Paul makes the point that anyone who is truly walking in the Spirit is regenerated because the Spirit of God dwells in them. Anyone who denies that Jesus Christ is Lord is not motivated by the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to beware all of us of false teachers. And there's so many in the church today. Here's one. If someone, you, you visit a church, 
and you talk to the pastor, or maybe you talk to some of the elders or whatever, and you want to get some, some information more about their church, what they believe in. And if they say something like this, yes, of course, we're Christian. You know, we believe in the blood of Christ. You know, we have communion. We do this. We have confirmation classes. We teach the Bible. But, but there are different ways. That's just us. Now, our neighbors over there, they're not Christian, but they're sincere. They love their God, so that's good for them. And so God takes care of them. Would you call that false teaching? Yes. Because they're denying Jesus Christ as Lord. There is only one Lord, Jesus Christ. There's not many gods out there. There's not other ways to get to heaven. There's only one way through Jesus Christ, according to the word of God. So therefore, if you are in the word of God, you're grounded in the word, that is false teaching. If I'm in a church personally, I go, and I'm where you are, and I hear a pastor talk like that, I'm out of there. For in my world, that is false teaching. So we just need to be very cautious about that. That's the only one example. I've used that one before because I think that is very prevalent in our society today. That has happened more than we can possibly realize. You know, that liberalism, the idea of, of Jesus died for all. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a follower of Christ if you are a, a, a Mormon or I might be in trouble because we're probably this is going out or whatever, you know, of a different away from Christ, then that's good as well, as long as you're sincere. That is garbage. That is garbage theology. If you believe in the word of God, then I can say that freely. If you don't believe in the word of God, you can debate me, you can question what I just said and the words that I just used. But remember, I would, wouldn't it be interesting if you can go back in time when Paul wrote this letter, when he's dealing with those Corinthians, what he was saying behind the words, that, you know, that scripture, you know? Paul was all Jesus, all the way. There was no other, other way. Okay, we're really quiet, so I don't know what that exactly means, but we're going to continue. We're going to go to number two, the Trinity. And from verses four through six, Paul continues, there are different kinds of gifts, but listen to this. But the same Spirit distributes them. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Six, there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So note that the Trinitarian structure that Paul uses to describe the different kinds of, of gifts, you know. Who's the distributor of the gifts? He says in verse 4, the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of serving coming from the same Lord. Jesus is our model of servanthood. And then in 6, he really pulls it together. But in God, God works all things for the good. 
All things work in and through God. So you have that, in describing that, that uh, I call it the Godhead, the diversity of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, another sermon topic. We're three in one, composing of one God. But there is also a diversity of spiritual gifts that are given to us for the benefit of ministry, of doing ministry. And Paul really stresses this time and time and time again. Every Christian is gifted. We're all gifted. If you're believing in Jesus Christ, you are gifted. And we need each other. Now, we only have three points. I'm going to the third point. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean they just saying, whoa, in five minutes we're going to be out of here. Not necessarily true. Okay, are we ready? The gift giver from verses 7 through 11. And we're going to take this one verse at a time. Now to each, verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Again, each believer is given gifts by God's grace through the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual gifts are not earned. Do you know what your spiritual gift is? Have you ever gone to, been a part of a spiritual gift class to try to determine what your gifts are? Paul was also dealing with some of these people had some of these sign gifts or these miraculous gifts of healing or whatever, and they were boasting how good and how spiritual they were. Paul says, no, no, no. That gift was given to you by God's grace. Therefore, watch your pride. That was happening in the Corinthian church, and I've seen it happen in churches today where people think they're, so, they're up here because they have this gift or whatever. You know, no, 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 no. That, that's, not, that's not God's account. That's, that's us getting in there. Amen? Amen? Okay. So let's look briefly at some of these gifts that were in, from verses 8 and 10. Now, this list is not complete. Now, I don't want you to run up to me after and say, hey, you forgot about this gift or that gift. No, we just have a few of the gifts here. And also, as I share my understanding of these gifts, that doesn't mean that my understanding is the only understanding. Some of these gifts kind of overlap, don't they? And if you go to a spiritual gifts class, sometimes you'll get, they talk about the gifts of knowledge or gifts of, of wisdom, whatever, and you might get different interpretations of that. But hopefully, you know, we can find a, a place where we can meet together and have a, an understanding of what these gifts are. So this is my, based on my understanding, part of my understanding, not all of it, um, of these gifts. Are you with me? Okay. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. The message of wisdom, I think, is the most synonymous to God's revelation, His truth. Now, I believe that people that have the gift of wisdom we're talking about here, they're teachers. They're teachers. And my wife has been a Bible study teacher for a good number of years. Is she a perfect teacher? No. Does she know it all? No. 
But as a, as a woman in prayer, God has given her gifts to understand God's revelation. I believe John has that gift. And I believe that for sure, I seem uh, Chris Hanlon has that gift to teach. And for those of you that are in his uh, men's breakfast, you'd probably agree with that. All right, that's just an example. And how about the, the, the message of knowledge that Paul talks about here? And this is my definition, and you might thought to say, hold it, hold it, that's not mine, but this is mine. It's, the, it's a practical application of God's wisdom to human situations. I'll repeat that again. Perhaps you didn't hear what yeah. It's a practical application of God's wisdom in human situations. That was, a, was at work last Sunday. We had prayer. My brother John was with me as we're praying for people. As we're praying for people, I'm not getting into, you know, you come up for prayer, praise God for that. But as people share their story, share their concerns, we're asking for God to give us wisdom and knowledge of how to respond, what God wants us to say. So, so some can call it the discernment. I think this more fits in, into knowledge. So based on their, their situation, how can God give them, give them wisdom so, so they, they can apply it to their situation? See what I'm saying? And, and that happened time and time again last Sunday. So how God's Spirit was more working in that situation. Verse 9. To another faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by that same spirit. The gift of faith is to believe without a doubt that God can turn a vision into reality. The gift of faith sees all the possibilities of what can be. You know, now you can add to that, of course you can, or you can give your own examples, but I'm going to give this church as an example of a church, a body of believers that, that had that gift of faith. When the larger church and pastors felt that this church had closed their doors, and this is what, six or seven years ago, and Mike confirmed, because Mike was right in the center of that, and his team, Dewey was in the center of that as well. They never make it. Close the doors. You know, this is a mess, that's a mess, you know. They'll never make it. And then, and then, uh, Chris Rivera, I still, we, I kid about this. This sticks in my mind. There was, back in those days, we had a, and I've shared this before, after, the, after church, uh, Chris said to me, I'm, I'm just kind of paraphrasing Chris, Pastor, I have some good news. We paid all of our bills, and we have $19 in the bank. And when I came here back then, that's what I heard from other pastors. That church closed the doors. They need to just stop trying to be in a church or merge with someone else, etc. But they're not going to make it. 
But this church had that gift of saying, we are going to make it. We're not going to succumb to that. We are going to press on regardless of, of how impossible it may seem. We are, we're, we're steadfast. And here we are six years later. And we have more than $19 in the bank. God has allowed us, just look at the washrooms, for example. You know, we have the women's have been completed for by the wonderful work of, led by Chris Hanlon and our, our team, that the women's washroom looks just beautiful. And the men's were, what, 90% there? So guys, you walk in there, you got to say, whoa, this is really nice. You know, that was not even a dream seven, six years ago. With $19 in the bank? Are you kidding me? That's barely enough money to buy the toilet paper. But what God can do, see, with people that have vision, people that, that regardless of what others say, they're going to hang in there because they're trusting that their God is going to see them through. This church is going to be a larger church one day. One day, if you believe, if you were a believer here and here, you know, that six years ago, you can see that. You can see what God is doing. Sometimes we want everything right now, but that's not how God works. Sometimes we still have to still be in the desert and keep, but keep stepping forward. One ask at a time. One faith, one walk in faith at a time, at a time. And that is also in our individual lives. The gift of faith and knowing is knowing that God has something for you. Knowing that God has a ministry or whatever it is for you. But keep walking with him. Keep walking with him. And he will bless you. He will bless you abundantly because he does have that, that plan. Brother, he's got that plan for you. It's coming. We just have to wait, have to wait and see what God's going to do. You know, that's the exciting part. When we're in that waiting period, how are we doing in Christ? How's our faith doing? Are we really relying on the Holy Spirit to, to drive us and give us confidence, give us some encouragement in what we're going through? That's for all of us and what you're going through as well. And then Paul talked about the gift, I call it the gift of discernment. Paul used the, the word, you know, distinguishing between spirits. And it's interesting with this gift, back in the New, Te New Testament days, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible commentaries. They didn't have the lexicons. They didn't have the biblical dictionaries. They didn't have all the resources to interpret the word of God like we have today. How it's so changed. In my day, when I was going through my ordination exams, and we had to do, part of that ords was we had to develop a biblical exegesis. In other words, basically put a sermon together, is what it is, according to the guidelines. And you couldn't cheat. Well, you could cheat, but you didn't have a lot of resources to cheat with. Today, you could take a lay person, a person has, has not had one 
one ounce of biblical training and you could just lay and see all these materials you can use to, to put together a nice little sermon package and you could do it. They didn't have that in the New Testament. Yeah, they had oral tradition, but they didn't have all of this, these resources. So what, what did God do? He gave certain people the ability to offer checks and balances to spiritual thoughts. So what that's, this gift is, it's uh, to distinguish what is valid from what is not. That's pretty much it. What is truth and what is not. Oftentimes people that uh, God's used them for deliverances, whatever, they have a gift of, of, of discernment. You know, and for me, I think that's very important if you're doing the deliverance ministry. If you're doing it by two, I hope and pray one has the gift of discernment. That's very, very important. Now, the number four. No squirming in the chairs. Now, I'm not going to try to panic you or whatever. We're getting into the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Some believe that tongues refer to an earthly language that someone is speaking, but they, it's unknown to them. They don't understand it. The more popular belief of tongues, and even from scholars, is the belief that someone, someone is interpreting what that utterance was. You speak in tongues, you interpret what she's saying the interpretation of it. How are we doing so far? So far, I'm doing cool. He's saying, okay, I, I can go along with that. That's good. But again, the Corinthians, they were misusing even that gift. And since we're talking about that gift, we're going to be dealing more with this, speaking in tongues later on, get more in, in depth with, with this gift. But... To give it a broad stroke, I've seen this gift being abused today in Pentecostal churches. I've seen it, and I'm very cautious what I'm saying, but I have to be honest with you. I've seen it abused. First of all, I'm going to ask you this question, and you can either yes or answer whatever. Um, if you are speak, if you God has given you the gift of speaking in tongues, does that make you a stronger, a better Christian than someone that doesn't? That's right. It doesn't. Does that make you a better Christian? I had some one years ago when I was just a babe in Christ, said to me, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not really a Christian. That's a lousy theology, and it's not right, and that means it's being misused. I think I shared this one with you, but I'm going to share it again because it really applies here. Many years ago, we invited uh, another couple invited us to, to join them 
and a worship service, uh, at a Sunday evening worship service. And this church was Pentecostal. And they knew that we were Pentecostal. Pentecostal pra- pastor, you know, in the robe. That was me. And so we went as a worship service. When we walked in, we found our place, and they were right in the middle of worship service. I understand. We, we, feel, we feel the Spirit moving in us, and we want to praise God. I understand that, and I affirm all of that. But here's what I don't affirm. We sat down, and to the left of me, I had, I had, I had people just blurting out, speaking in tongues. In front of me, the same thing. In back of me, this side of me. And my discernment told me something is wrong. Something is wrong because that gift is to be used to edify. That's why you have tongues and interpretation. To edify the body of Christ. If someone in a worship service is speaking in tongues, there better be an interpretation. If there's not, they are out of order. Not my word, just read. Don't go to a book that somebody wrote on, on tongues or whatever. Go to the Bible. Go to the primary source and figure it out for yourself. If, if you disagree with me, then, then you owe it to yourself to go to the word of God and prove me wrong. But listen to what the word says. Paul never, never says that, that gift is to be used in, in terms, if it's in a worship service, without interpretation. You know, it's, it can be used, yes. You know, if you had that gift, you, you use that gift to edify yourself, edify, and sometimes in a small group, isn't it? When we're praying for someone, maybe someone is, is speaking in tongues or whatever. I don't have a problem with that. I just have a problem of using that gift in the wrong way because back in that, those days when I was there, I thought to myself, if I were just a seeker in the word, if I were just trying to figure out my faith walk in Christ, if I heard that around me, I would have ran out of there. Because it wasn't edifying me, it wasn't building me up. They were trying, they were trying to build themselves up individually. Paul would say, no. Paul would be the first one to say, out of order. Remember I shared this? How many have heard of Jim Cimbala? Okay, fresh wind, fresh fire, etc. You know, he's back in my day. He's probably my age or whatever. Not as nice looking, but he's, you know, he really is a man of God. And, and we went to a conference with, with Jim and, uh, in Florida. And now this is radical. I would not do this, but he did, okay? But he did it to try to make a point. They were in worship. Then suddenly somebody blurted out in tongues. And then there was silence. And in front of probably 2,000 people, Jim Simblis said, point at person, said, you are out of order. I wouldn't have done that, you know, really call someone out like that. But I understand his point. He's trying to make a point of being in order. The spiritual gifts are wonderful. We, 
But they need to be done in order and understanding that. So, does that make any sense to you? Okay. Verse 11. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and distributes them to each one just as he, referring to God, determines. Paul summarizes this section by saying all spiritual gifts should emphasize church unity and are distributed by God's sovereignty, as Paul says, to each one just as he determines. So I believe our call is to know our gifts. I've said this probably for over almost a year now, that we should have a spiritual gifts class, and we're going to have that. It's just a matter of coordinating that with another individual. We have that. I think it's so important to know our gifts, to accept the gifts, and to seek to use them. Use our gifts to develop and use them according to God's purposes for equipping, edifying, for the benefit of the church. That's a pretty much basic uh, foundation for why we have the spiritual gifts. God gives them to us. Anybody offended? I hope not. I don't mean to offend. I'm just trying to stick with the word, what the word says, and keep us straight. God will bless churches that are, that are, that are uh, walking in the spirit, are ministering in the spirit, but they're doing it the right way. You know, someone once told me in closing, in, in closing, um, I was in a situation, a prayer situation, where, where a gift was really being misused. I did not say anything. I let it go. And then that individual came up to me afterwards. I think this is God's timing. And said, well, you know, Pastor, I apologize for, for all of a sudden being so disruptive. But, you know, the spirit got a hold of me and I couldn't control it. When she said I couldn't control it, I stopped her almost in mid-sentence. I said, but you can control it. You can control your gift. God has given us that freedom to control whatever gifts we have, we can control them. Remember that, my brothers and sisters, as you operate in your gifts. And remember also in closing and closing that whatever your gift is, find it. You know, if you don't know, find it and use it for his glory to edify a brother and sister in Christ. It's a beautiful thing, you know, when, when, when we do that. But it's also... Uh, good to know that whatever your gifts are, you're not any better than anybody else. There, by God's grace, he's given you that gift. So use it for his glory. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Sometimes silence is golden. Uh, I thank you, Lord, that You've given us so many gifts, Lord. You've given us gifts of prophecy, gifts of, of wisdom, gifts of knowledge. 
And Father, I just pray that you'll help us to really understand how to use our gifts for your glory. This is important, that we use them for your glory and honor. And Father, help us, none of us are perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. But help us to understand and help us not to misuse the gifts you've given us. We don't want to do that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Before uh, you guys start, I know Chris is ready to go. And that is, I just wanted to also very, very briefly mention the gift of prophecy. And uh, today, the popular understanding of prophecy is for telling things, you know, which will happen. I don't have a problem with that. But some people want to leave it just right there. The gift of prophecy is not just foretelling things that are going to happen, but the gift of prophecy is also understanding that is the proclamation of God's word. And who proclaims God's word? It could be a teacher, a pastor, someone who communicates God's word. Did you know that? Sometimes we think of prophets, it's just the future, the future, or whatever. No, it is proclaiming the word of God. So, I'm going to throw that out there for you to think about and debate me later. Why don't you stand with us for one last song?